Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the Rockman Power Hour. Very excited this week to be joined by an up-and-coming artist that I think you are going to get to know uh, over the next couple of years because I think she's on to great things. Her name is Julia Gentile, but you might know her as her band and stage name, Villavant. Uh, she will be our guest today on the Rockman Power Hour. We're very excited to talk to her. But before we go too far, let us bring in our co-host, Ryan Stick. Ryan, how are you, my friend? Are you doing well? Dude, I'm doing awesome, man. I'm really glad. Uh, I'm really glad that uh, we got some new blood on the show. You know, like sometimes we talk to the the legends, but yeah. at the same time, I like talking to future legends and stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, if in my life, if nobody uh, when I was up and coming like gave a shot to a new band, I don't know where I, where I would be. And uh, this this band's really got their stuff together. Okay, like I was looking at their the music videos. And uh, the album, this everything is professional as hell. Um, you know, I don't, I am not, haven't witnessed any of their growing pains, but I can say that they're uh, at a level of professionalism that I wish I had obtained at the ages that they are. I get really, really excited when we uh, get to talk to somebody that is this up and coming, that is on the, you know, that is right there at the beginning. It's kind of like when we talk to Derek Day. Um, from Classless Act, like that mm. band is about to blow up. I'm telling you right yeah. now. They're, from what I'm hearing, they're writing a next record, but that band will be huge. Um, and they've made a name for themselves opening up for Motley Crue and Def Leppard. And I, I feel that people are going to go back and go, oh yeah, Rockman Power Hour had Derek on really, really early. So I feel the same way about Julia. Um, I think that she's very, very talented. And I think Villavant is a, a great, great band um, that is going to knock people off their socks. I, I, as you know, I love, love female fronted bands. Um, yeah. I think the rock, the world of rock needs more. Um, female fronted bands because there's just so many incredible, incredible musicians um, that have something to say. And it harkens back to me like the nineties, like it was just a great decade for, for, uh, for female fronted rock rockers that kind of came into their own after the eighties that were just, just drenched in fucking, you know, uh, cliches and, and, you know, dudes just Coke. Dudes, Coke, so and the much whole, Coke. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the nineties, um, there was just a great, uh, it was just a great decade for, for, for alternative music and for some great free, female fronted alternative music artists like Alanis Morissette, um, garbage, you know, Shirley Manson from garbage. There's just a lot of really, really incredible artists to come out of No that. doubt. Gwen Stefani no doubt. represent. Gwen Stefani. Yeah. I mean, there was, it was just a great decade for, um, for almost this, 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 I don't want to say female empowerment cause it sounds kind of cheesy, but there mm. was just, it was just a great decade for, uh, for a lot of female artists to just come forward and, and be there and have their voice heard. And when I hear an artist like, like Julia um, from, from Villavan, I, I just get that same vibe. Of course, she's obviously heavily influenced by Evanescence as well. You can hear that too, but um, it's uh, it's just, it's a good record. Um, I think she's got a, a promising future and I'm really excited to have her on the podcast. So check it out. Our chat with Villavan. All right, really, really happy to have with me uh, on the Rockman Power Hour an artist who uh, I've kind of discovered over the last little while, and I love the way I discovered you, and we're going to get into that. But first off, thank you, Villavent, for being here uh, with us today. I see, judging by your background, your t-shirt, you're a Star Wars fan. <laughs> oh, you know what? My dad is a huge Star Wars fan, and he kind of got me into the whole Star Wars universe. <laughs> That's parenting done right. <laughs> I did oh, this. Yeah. I did. I did the same things to my kids. Uh, my kids yeah. are are Star Wars superhero fans because of all my nerdy obsessions. So I see behind you, you have like a bunch of cool things behind you. I have all you. kinds of crap in here. Yeah, yeah. This, is like, this is where they just put me to keep me quiet. But um, <laughs> so the the first I heard of you and I discovered you was you. I work at a radio station in Montreal, and 
Mm. You sent a package. Someone sent a package to me mm-hmm. uh, and it had some pics and it had a sticker and um, and a bunch of other stuff. And I was like, and I think it even had some chocolate. Yeah, it was a Christmas package that I sent right. to you guys. Yeah. And I remember getting that and I was like, okay, this is a nice touch. And But it made me go and listen to the music. And, mm. um, and then lo and behold, about a month and a bit later, our music director added you as a feature on my show, the big shiny new song of the week. So I just, I like when I see an artist take the time to, to do the little things. And, and it's amazing how some people don't even think of that anymore. So first off, I wanted to ask you, where do you get your work ethic from? Cause you obviously clearly have work ethic. I can see by the way you're presenting yourself, by the way you're working hard, by the way you're, um, you're promoting, like, did you learn that? Was it from your parents? Was it, was there a mentor that you had that gave you that? Um, not necessarily, but I gotta say my dad is a huge, not workaholic, but he's, you know, (laughs) no, not a workaholic at all, but he's been so, you know, just steady with, you know, trying to get things done. Like very, like, he's not lazy. He's always working on different kinds of projects. So I guess I kind of get that from him. And is your dad a musician as well? He's not, he's a salesman. So he goes on and uh, but he's a really, really great guy, like super, super professional and just always working hard. And, and it's great that you have a great, like, you know, so many people, you know, heading into their teens, into their early, early adulthood can be, you know, they'll have strained relationships with their parents and be like, ah, they suck. But it's, it's nice to see. And I, I kind of feel like I'm seeing this more and more. Maybe it's just because I have that with my kids, but we're not the cringe parents anymore. And, and it seems like a lot of people are having these relationships with their, with their parents where they actually enjoy being around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can say the same thing. I enjoy it. They're also huge supporters too. So that helps. Yeah. So when did you discover that you, that you liked music? I mean, what was it about? Was it, was it seeing someone perform? Like who was the per- person that you saw perform or what was the music that you heard that made you say like, I want to do this? Well, I started music when I was three, like at a very young age. I started the piano, did like Royal Conservatory and all the classical stuff. Oh, so you did and the real then, stuff. Yeah. Like I okay. kind of, that was my first kind of introduction to music. Piano is my first instrument. And then um, years and years ago, I started developing my voice because I, I love to sing. So I took a bunch of different vocal lessons, with different teachers, still take vocal lessons because you always can improve, obviously. Right. And um, I picked up the guitar a couple of years ago, started playing rhythm in my band. And I guess to say like rock music, my first, um, I guess, introduction to rock music was when I heard Hearts the first time uh-huh. and Barracuda, that song yeah. specifically, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. And at the time, like there wasn't a lot of female front of bands. There was obviously in the eighties and a little bit here and there, but it wasn't a big thing. It was mostly like, you know, male front of bands, which is totally fine. But I was like, Oh, like we should hear more of that. So hard. And then also I heard hailstorm the first time. Yeah. And I was like, that was like my first uh, introduction to like female, like a really raw and like just kind of screaming kind of vocals from a female artist. And I was like, wow. So that really inspired me as well. And just ever since then, I decided to really experiment with the rock genre and it just grabbed me. I love that kind of music. Yeah. And you're good at it. I got to tell you, you know, I was listening to the EP uh, that came out on March 10th and I get, would you call it an EP? I mean, it's kind of in that weird spot because it's eight tracks. So I don't know if it's yeah, an EP. I, I call it like, an LP, like a full right. length. So yeah, um, that's what I would call it too. It's like, it, yeah. it is, but, but nowadays if it's under 10, you know, you're like, yeah, it's, yeah I know I get that, <laughs> but, but it's, but it's really solid. And what I, what grabbed me right away was, you know, you mentioned all those artists, but 
I remember the like one of my favorite decades of music is the nineties because I felt that in the nineties, there was, there weren't as many labels. You know, we came out of a, a decade of, of the eighties where things seemed to be really, you know, they, they seemed to be in these little packages. Everything seemed to be compartmentalized. Like you had this style, you had that style, but what was nice about the nineties that the doors kind of blew open and everything was game. And yeah. there were so many strong female artists in the nineties, you know, from, from Liz fair, from, you know, bands like Veruca salt, uh, art, artists like, um, you know, like Fiona Apple, uh, like mm-hmm. Tori Amos, like Alanis yeah. Morissette, of course, you know, so, yeah. uh, Elastica, like there were just so many great, uh, Republica, like I could just go on and on. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's nice to see somebody, uh, you know, and when you say a couple of the influences, I, I can see it. But then when I heard your stuff, I was like, immediately I thought of Evanescence. And that's a Everyone massive, that. that's yeah. a massive compliment. Yeah, because, because Amy's a beast. So, um, but you're definitely on the right track. I got to tell you. And for someone who's starting out, um, your songwriting is really mature. Um, can you tell me a bit about what goes into that? I mean, and and I know, like you know, you talk about your first loves of music, but when did you really, really start writing this genre of music? I started writing when I was twelve. Um, not necessarily rock music. I was just writing whatever came to mind, whatever it turned out to be. And obviously, looking back at my old songs when I was twelve, it's they're not good. Obviously, <laughs> and the lyrical content, like, what am I talking about at age twelve? <laughs> How old are you now? I'm twenty-two. Okay, all right. So yeah, ten yeah. years. I mean, so when you yeah. what, what was it? What was uh, Villavent age 12, like, I don't even know what I was talking about. Like, Oh, I didn't get the, the food I wanted today. Like just stupid things that yeah. a 12 year old would complain about. Um, but when it comes to writing songs now, usually I start with lyrics or like a yeah. vocal melody. And depending on where I am at the time, I like to take my phone and yeah. do like a voice memo to make sure I don't forget it. If it's something that I feel, Oh, I can actually make a song out of this kind of thing. And then I take it, I go home, fool around the piano or guitar or whatever, create like an instrumental. And then my guitar player, Matt Hatch, we kind of collaborate a lot of the time. I send him rough ideas and I'm like, what do you think of this? And he either loves it or hates it. 95% of the time we're on the same page, which is great. And then he kind of rolls with it and he sends me back like a full on instrumental. And he's like, oh, what do you think of this? And I'm like, this is exactly what I had in mind. So I love working with people like that and collaborating with people like mine, obviously. But um, yeah, usually I start with lyrics or an instrumental, depending on obviously the song. Do you um, do you get excited when someone like Matt will send you a complete idea and it just fuels whatever little voice note you sent him? Yeah, for sure. I definitely do. In terms of touring and playing, I mean, I know, I know you've been playing music for a long time and you, you are you, you, I imagine you're a multi-instrumentalist, right? Yeah. I, I play piano, guitar. Um, I play some bass a little bit if I'm like recording stuff. Um, and then obviously I sing. You sing. Um, have you had a lot of live experience? Yeah. So before, even before Villavent, the band, I was in a cover band for four years okay. and I, I was underage and I played so many <laughs> bars. And nobody cared about my age because they're like, okay, you're great. Let's just have you play. And we right. played till like two or three o'clock in the morning. And 
I did that. I was on rotation for like those four years. And of course, COVID came and everything stopped. And then that's when I was like, you know what, let's, I want to focus on my own stuff now. But sure. yeah, before Villavet, I was performing probably like 60 shows a year just as wow. a, a cover band. So I have a lot of <laughs> a live show experience. And that's the thing, right? When you, when you have done covers, um, I've done covers in the past. And I, I remember doing covers in the, in the mid nineties to pay for recordings and having to do them every weekend for about four or five months to pay for, you know, studio time. And yeah. it's, it's a great experience because you really, really aren't playing to people that want to necessarily see you, your background. Yes. And, and when you can win those people over, mm-hmm. that says a lot because it just, yeah. it's just going to lead to, you know, obviously stage experience. And then when you actually play your own stuff, you have people that are coming to see you. It makes your yeah. job that much easier. But um, can you tell me some of the craziest nights uh, playing cover music? Like when you had to win a crowd over? Do you, are there any standout moments where you had that, um, maybe that drunk heckler or that annoying person or that, or that pe- person that just kept telling you to play, you know, ACDC. Yeah, exactly. ACDC. And you know, what's funny too. Like I'm not the huge, like I'm not a huge fan of ACDC, but I can, I understand why they're a huge impact, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to tell you a funny story that kind of sounds bad. Um, but I was playing at this crappy little bar in Bolton and yeah. um there was this girl or guy or I think it was a girl and it was like after I think we were playing Limelight by Rush or something right and after that song I heard like a like in the audience and I was like the heck and without me even like thinking about what I was supposed to say it just came out of my mouth and I'm like I didn't know they let dogs in here and so everybody went silent. I'm like, oh, shoot. I just called this woman a bitch. <laughs> like it. And then apparently she left and she gave me the finger. And I'm like, okay, that's nice. <laughs> but other than that, um, I had like, you know, basic drunk guys come up to me. And one of them hugged me without, without my consent and spilled his beer down my oh. shirt. Another story. Yeah. Um, but, you know, overall, <laughs> I've had like a great fun experience doing that. Like I won a lot of people over and people who saw me when I was with that band now see me as relevant and they're still fans of like me and the music that I created. So yeah, it it was a great experience to say the least. So you have some tour dates that are coming up. Um, and uh, what does the next few months look like for the band and for you? So starting March 25th, I'll be playing in Windsor at the meteor with, um, Windsor bands, American airport sushi and the born riot. And then from there, I'll be playing uh, Toronto. And the, my Toronto show is April 14th. It's actually my album release show, my official album release show. Yeah. And um, that's going to be like a huge night for me. I'm excited about that. And then the April 15th, I'll be coming your way to Montreal. Yeah. I'll be stopping by your studio, doing a little acoustic performance of Running on Empty. And I'll be playing the Piranha Bar with um, Astral Gates and Late Night Trouble. And then I'll be like just going around different cities after that, Ottawa, uh, Kingston, Waterloo, those areas. And are you, are you like, obviously you're, you're always open to tour. I mean, you want to do this as much as Mm -hmm. you can, right? Of course. I think it was one of the reasons why I was really excited to talk to you early because I, I feel that there's a lot of talent here. I feel that there's a lot of promise and I'm always excited to talk to people when they're starting out because it's interesting to talk to someone at the beginning and then to talk to them maybe four years later when they've gone and they've toured everywhere, they've had a successful record. They're on the second yeah. album. So um, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's fun to, to, to get people from, you know, like right from the jump, as they say. 
Mm-hmm, of course. Are you, is there anything about touring that you're apprehensive of? Like, is there any, like certain things that you, you think you might miss? Are there certain things that you're used to uh, that you're kind of apprehensive about? you might not be able to do when you're, when you're on the road or, or is it all just a big adventure at this point? Um, big adventure. But I think the thing that I'm most scared about is like not liking it. Yeah. You know, not liking being on the road or whatever. (laughs) I think I would, because I, I do have experience performing a lot, but I haven't had the experience actually like going to a van and like touring different cities, though. It's not like a whole like run of dates. It's just like sporadic dates. Sure. But it's going to lead to a run of dates. Exactly. So it's kind of getting me prepared for future dates like that. But I guess, yeah, my, the the most, the thing I'm most scared of is potentially not liking it, but I I don't think, I think I'll probably like it. It's, and there's got to be a certain amount of excitement when you prepare these songs that you've been working on for, for probably couple of years at this point. Oh, yeah. It's been three years in the making this album. Right. So you, you're probably itching just to play them live too, right? Yeah. Have definitely. there been people, have there been people that have been heard a lot of this stuff live? Like I know you're doing your album launch, but have you, have you played a lot of shows as this project? Yeah. So before I released the album, I played, uh, I think probably trying to think eight shows last year, um, right. just sporadic. I opened for Lee Aaron at the Alma Combo, which was fun. And I played some of the fans that I, I actually made a lot of fans at that show. A lot of people went there to see Lee Aaron, of course, but they saw me and they're like, oh my God, like you're amazing. And yeah. so they've been following me ever since. And they heard the most of the songs are on the album live because I did kind of hint at a couple different things before they released, obviously, in my past shows. But there there definitely is a lot of new stuff that I haven't exper- uh, experimented with live. And I'll be throwing in a cover in my sets this time as well okay. um, by a classic band. And I'm excited to play it. Um, but yeah, I'm basically my show will consist of the whole album start to finish a couple of my old songs that I released years ago and the cover. When you, uh, when you open up for someone like Lier and, uh, do you get nervous? Uh, was it more excitement? Um, and did she give you, did she acknowledge you? Okay. So I was, I, sometimes I still get nervous. I still have that stage fright type of thing going sure. on. Every artist. I mean, like, if you're not nervous, I feel like you don't care at that point. Like, you know, you're just trying to like do your best. And um, I was nervous, but also very like, you know, excited. And right when I hit the stage, like the adrenaline just kicked in. Right. And I'm just like not nervous anymore. And just, you know, did did my all. And Lee Erin was great. Like she was, I went to go see her after her show in the green room and she just hugged me and said, I did a great job and she loved my stuff. So that meant a lot. I mean, Lee Aaron was such an important figure in um, in female metal and female rock. You know, not just yeah. in Canada, worldwide. I yeah. mean, she was doing that before a lot of people were. She was the she's an influence that a lot of women will cite um, as you know as one of the first. She was like out there. Yeah. You know, she was out there with a machete, like hacking the trail for a lot of people. So it's cool. It's cool to see that you get to open up for her early on like that. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. And Ed Souza, who organized the whole event, knew me um, because he knew my mom because she went to a lot. He does a lot of 80s bands. He promotes a lot of 80s bands. And she's a huge. My mom is a huge concert goer. She loves music. (laughs) And so she she knows him because of that. And then he knows me because of that. So uh, she asked him one time, hey, like I see Lee Aaron's playing. 
do you mind Julia open up for the Aaron? And right. he's like, yeah, for sure. So I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for that opportunity. And um, I don't know if you heard, but I'm also opening for finger 11 at this year's Kemp and Fest, which is going to be. Yeah. Very I saw exciting. that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that, and then some more crazy festivals are coming up that haven't been announced too. So, well, that and that's it. That's what I. That's what I was alluding to is that you know all these things yeah. that you're going to do are just going to lead to more. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm usually really good at calling it, and I'm calling that you're going to do great. I'm just, oh, I, thank I, you. I, I got that feeling. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to jump on with you today. And I know that we're going to have a lot more to talk about the next time we get on here because mm-hmm. you're just going to have all that. We're going to find out a if you like touring. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get more stories of people trying to, you know, maybe trying to take you out on stage with, with cat oh. calls and you're going to call them uh, bitches again. A bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but really, really thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Um, continued success. Looking forward to seeing you here in Montreal and, yeah. uh, and really the music's great. Um, you're doing, you're onto something and, and I think the songs speak for themselves. And again, the idea of the personal touch, never give that up because it goes a long way. It worked on me. It got my ears, you know, got my attention. So I think it's really smart. So keep following that guidance and, and keep, keep doing what you're doing because you're doing something right. Thank you. It means so much. Thank you for your time too, for doing this. Yeah, you know, um, you were mentioning uh, Evanescence, like, it, it has that vibe, but I'm also going to say, like, uh, Paramore, because they got yeah. that 4-4 four, four intensity. No, nah, man, it was really cool just seeing uh, how exciting the next chapter of her career is going to be and stuff. And she's she's opening for, like, really cool people. I'm like, man, she's 22. I didn't, I didn't nothing really cool to me happened music-wise like that until I was maybe, like, 26, 27, 28. So. Same, yeah. She's definitely, um, she's definitely off to the finals, um, off to the finals, sorry, off to the races. I just think she's an artist, Ryan, that we need to, uh, to definitely, uh, give a shout out to on this podcast. And I'm glad that we had her on because I believe that she's going to go on to do some great things. The, the new record is really, really good. I encourage people to check out the new album. Um, and, uh, it's an EP, but it, it, there, there's some big things coming, you know, down the pipeline for her. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to not only seeing her live, cause she's going to be playing in Montreal, uh, Saturday night, actually, she's going to be playing at, uh, Piranha Bar with some other great bands like Astral Gates and Late Night Trouble. So definitely go check them out. And if you, you're hearing this past that, look on her um, website, it's uh, this is villavent.com and that's V I L I V A N T. And, um, just keep. Keep yourself up to date on what's going on with her because there's a lot of great things coming and and I think she's a great artist you need to look out for. I think it's really cool, man, that uh, she's got that um, it, you know that relationship with her dad, that positive relationship. Because I keep thinking about we're not going to take it. Where at the beginning, his dad, the guy's dad, is pretty much screaming him down, yeah. Full Metal Jacket style. What do you want to do with your life? Yeah, and I, I think there's way less of a generation gap than there used to be when it comes to parents and kids. Oh yeah. Like in the 1950s, when their kids started listening to rock and roll, they thought their kids were from, were abducted by aliens. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. I know. And then when you think of the parents that were kind of like, you know, growing up in the late forties and fifties and all of a sudden the hippie era, like what kind of generation gap was that? And then you got the people who liked the Beatles and were cool with that. But then their kids are in the eighties, like with a flock of seagulls hair And, uh, you know, wearing pastels and all this other stuff. So it just seems like it's finally kind of like everything's been done. So now nothing really shocks the parents anymore. And I think the gaps, the gaps kind of been bridged, you know, Mm. there's, um, you know, like my relationship with my daughter, my daughter turns me on to new music all the time and I love it. I love it. Like she'll, she'll tell me about a new band. 
you know, she loves Phoebe Bridgers and and there's this new band that she, that she's a part of called Boy Genius. I've been listening to that record nonstop. That's my daughter, you know, who, who suggested it to me. So it's nice when you have that kind of relationship. And it seems like she has that with her dad. And when we started the interview, she had, she had some Star Wars toys. I'm like, oh, you're into Star Wars. She goes, oh, that's all my dad's. And I was like, oh God, that's so cool. So, um, so yeah, so it's nice to, it's nice to see. I agree with you though. It's, it's nice to see a nice relationship between father and daughter and, and where you can, you know, where you can share with that, that love of music. And I, and I've seen that many times, you know, when I remember when we first met the, the girls in Kitty, um, mm. their dad was a huge fan of music and a fan of theirs. Yeah. So they were able to, you know, kind of share in that passion. He was able to manage them. And I think it's nice when you can be, you can share that with your kids. You know, it's a nice thing as opposed to being so away from it, so outside and, and, um, separated from it that you don't understand it, you know? So yeah, it's nice to see that. My mom and dad were straight, like they were the biggest supporters. Oh, and your mom's your biggest fan. Come on. Despite the fact I was like trying to be cool and write lyrics about how hard my life actually was. It's like, I was trying to sound cool because we're like punk and you're like, you're 50 and you're just trying to find yourself. You're looking yeah. around and you're just like, where do I exist in this world? Oh, every, all music I like are from tormented people. So therefore do I have to be tormented to make my own art? And if I was to write lyrics at, you know, accurately to my life situation it would have been like my mom loves me my dad drives me to band practice they bought me an amp last minute yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly exactly yeah. it's like yeah uh yeah it's not but, very you know, interesting <laughs> not all not all art has to be born out of pain you know not some of it can just be born out of um out of just boredom yeah or mm. boredom or, or whatever mm. you know but um yeah yeah it's funny it's funny when you get these things like people say Oh, this person's from that background. This, and you know, like for example, I just saw something like Kid Rock. They, people are saying how oh, he grew up on a tra- trailer trash. You know, punk, you know, it's this whole image that he has. Like, you know, he's from the trailer parks and this and that. And um, and then you see he grew up in this like middle class, like to upper class neighborhood in this big house. So sometimes people just create this image, or, or sometimes they like you know, like we, I, I like both punks. Like a lot of kids just wanted to be part of that punk movement. So. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be born, you know, sometimes you're just playing a role. Sometimes you're just, and it's, you know, musicians can be actors. They can be, it can be all kinds of things wrapped into one. It could be, um, it could be anything, you know? So, so yes, I, it's nice to see a relationship between her and her dad um, and that he's involved with that, her, you know, her music growth and, and all that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very cool to see. And I'm, yeah. and I'm all for parents that support their kids as I do with mine. Like I'm their biggest supporters, you know, whatever they do, anything I'm, I want to be their front row cheering them on instead of like telling like, why would you deny someone to do something that they want to do? You know, like <clears throat> I've always said the same thing with my kids, two rules, be happy and don't hurt anyone. If you can do both of those things, then you're good. Do anything you want. Just be happy and don't hurt anyone. Though, you- though I'm not a dad. One of the most profound things I ever saw was in this movie called Jawbreaker. Um, and there was this, thing where like you know rose mcgowan's top dog and uh there's these two other friends and the dad was saying something to one of the friends to and the fact that i can't remember any of these characters names says a lot about what i'm about to say but uh the dad was like i was watching a program and they asked a the question is you're a child a leader or a follower and i was like Oh my goodness, my daughter's a follower. And meanwhile, the daughter's not listening to anything, saying like, whatever, dad. Uh. And, I, and I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, that's the one thing I think I would want my kid to be. Besides, like, you know, not a piece of crap. But if right. I had a kid, I would be like, as long as you're not the lackey to the jackass, 
Yeah. Because there's nothing worse. Like, yeah, you're the jackass. Fine. Jackasses can have a third act change and 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 change their life and change their spots. Like, I believe in growth. Yeah. But when you're a lackey, that is even to the jackass. That's even worse. When you're yeah. a mouth breathing idiot, just going along with whatever the other person says with no personality at all. That's way more embarrassing to me. Well, good point. (laughs) So uh, thanks so much for joining us on this uh, episode of the Rockman Power Hour. And uh, we want to thank our guest, uh, Julia Villavent, of course. Um, Thanks to our sponsor, Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Definitely check them out at heartbeathotsauce.com. Incredible small batch hot sauce fermenters from Thunder Bay, Ontario. I'm holding up the pineapple habanero if you're watching us. And if you're listening, we'll just listen to the sweet sounds of Heartbeat Hot Sauce as yeah. it engulfs your meal. Um, heartbeathotsauce.com. Use our promo code ROCKMAN20 and you'll get 20% off your entire order. Thank you to um, our friends over at Studio House Designs for uh, making us look fresh. And thank you to AKG and uh, Harmon Audio for uh, providing us with these great microphones and headphones to bring a beautiful sound to your ears. And uh, thanks to my co-host, Ryan Stick. Thank you to our producer, Julia Kajerski. And again, like, subscribe, uh, hit the subscription bell, and that way you will never miss an episode of the Rockman Power Hour. And let us know in the comments if there's anyone you'd like us to chat with or if any criticism in the comments, anything you got, we can take it. We're big boys and we're not afraid of you. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see you next time on the Rockman Power Hour.